Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There we go. Masters of the Universe is what we are chatting about today. Um, because Loki's finished. And we hey, we never used to do two episodes a week. It just so happened because of how much content we had to do. Uh, I think when we were doing Mandalorian and One Division and stuff, that was just one episode a week. And so was, um, what's it called? Falcon and Winter Soldier. There we go. <laughs> and then we did some monster ones. But now we're doing two a week or every when there's content that we're covering, we're doing two a week. So we wanted to cover Masters of the Universe. Now, Arthur can correct me if I'm wrong in this, but for me personally, I wasn't someone who grew up devoted to the original series of Masters of the Universe. Was that the same for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I remember some of the cartoons, but I wasn't, I think it was a little bit earlier for me because it was like early 80s that the cartoons originally aired, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like 81. I want to yeah. say 81 because the trailers for this was saying 40 years um, bring back the power, take back the power, or whatever mm. it was. So that would be 81. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, but it's not that we don't know about it. Masters of the Universe is very heavy in pop culture. You know, there was a film, the animated series yeah. has sprung various different versions over the years. Um, the toys, I feel I had some of the toys. Um, I for pretty much, I remember having random toys from Masters of the Universe because I remember having uh, Cringer, the cat. lion tiger cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had Cringer too, like a yeah. random sort of Cringer. Just yeah. a random Cringer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I had a random Cringer and I don't even know if I had He-Man, but I definitely remember having a Cringer. Um, yeah. I reckon I had, I want to say that I had like man at arms or something because I had someone from the most like characters, but it didn't have He-Man. So I feel like I just had Cringer and man at arms and they just did battle with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the hand-me-down Star Wars toys I had. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's like the random toys you get when you're young because I remember having Robocop as a toy when I was younger and the alien toys, but I didn't watch the films when I was like six. <laughs> Jeez, that, that, must, that must have been traumatising for young So I don't men. know how I got the reference point. I think <laughs> they just looked like cool toys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember having He-Man, Skeletor and Cringer. But it's it's really weird just kind of... It's funny that we both had like a random Cringer. Like, you know, it, I mean, obviously having He-Man and, and Skeletor makes sense. But like, yeah, just also clearly Cringer came maybe with He-Man. And then maybe you lost yours. I don't know. Like, Yeah, maybe. I mean, but I feel because as, as kids looking at... Cringer will look bad at us, wouldn't it? Because it'd just be a big tiger with, like, battle gear on. And yeah. anyone who's under the age of eight years old, that looks pretty compelling in a Toys R Us. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, a big association for me with Masters of the Universe is the film. Like, I really kind of grew up watching the film and enjoyed it. And, like, I even watched it a few months ago. And, you know, there are parts which are kind of cheesy and stuff. But actually, I... I kind of liked it you know it's it's I mean, even these days you know i just I, I can see why i enjoyed it as a kid uh because there is like you know some kind of you know early cgi and and you know some great kind of uh modeling like effects like with the the little uh I can't remember what his name is now but the little goblin dude uh, that was featured but there was no cringer in the film actually thinking about it which is you know interesting um that they kind of you know now that i'm thinking about it, that they chose to omit that but yeah, I I, enjoy, I remember enjoying the film growing up, you know, and with the young Courtney Cox and stuff as well in there. Um, young Courtney Cox and um, Mr. Dolph Lundgren. Of course, yeah, as he man himself. Like, yeah. that, was, that was this was prime Dolph Lundgren career, wasn't it? <laughs> it was uh, on the top of a lot of people's. We're talking mid eighties. We're talking like Rocky, Dolph Lundgren, Universal Soldier, 
you yeah. know, Master yeah. Universe. It's very much like it was the Action Man era. You had Schwarzenegger, you had Stallone, you had Lundrum, you had Van Damme. It was like this was this was their time. The eighties was their time. Eighties probably till about mid nineties was was like a hundred percent those guys all over. Um, yeah. But I have good memories as well of the film, and I feel it's because it's one of those movies that um, has like people have memories of it. It's not in the sense of it's not one of those movies that's hailed through the years, but it has a very, it wasn't, some of the effects aren't great, but some are, which enough of the effects in that film are good enough to make it seem good in a sense that, you know, when you go back and watch Flash Gordon, it's really, (laughs) like it's, it's really dodgy in parts, like really dodgy, well, in most parts. Um, But a bunch of this was actually, has a very nostalgic cozy like if i see that on that's a cozy film to watch that's the type of film that's the type of film it makes me think of so when coming to this series like i was initially i'm firstly i got on board with the series because i'm a big fan of kevin smith so when it was announced that he was like i'm doing masters of the universe animated series i'm like brilliant this is something new for kevin smith people who don't know kevin smith He's a very cult uh, director from the 90s. Um, his films are mainly based around relationships, based around the life he knew, uh, clerks, more rats, dogma, chasing Amy. Yeah. Like he, he Jay and Silent uh, Bob. Yeah. yeah, Jay and Silent Bob. Like from like early 90s to about early 90s, he made a string of like really well-received films. Um, chasing Amy is absolutely brilliant. Uh, for me that's actually that's actually the one i haven't seen by him which is supposed to be like it's i would say it's probably his best film um it's just i think it's really well written and it's yeah it's a it's a really good film uh dogma like the cast for dogma is still crazy to this day in 1999 got alan rickman chris rock lannis morissette matt damon ben affleck like the list goes on absolutely brilliant but so a big kevin smith fan um that's what I was interested in watching this series. And I remember the trailer first came out um, and it was like hype train. Um, we had uh, Bonnie Tyler, Need a Hero. I think it was Bonnie oh. Tyler, isn't it? I need a hero. <laughs> uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Bonnie Tyler. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to check now. Uh, I yeah. want to say, I wanna, I wanna say it is. Um, it is. You're holding out for a hero. Holding out holding for a out hero. For a hero. <laughs> Uh, so that was all hyped and everything so we get to it I didn't watch it straight away as soon as it came um, up and I'm a massive uh, nerd for going on like IMDB ratings Rotten Tomatoes um, box office when it relates to um, the box office and stuff like that so I was very intrigued to see what this would be like because I got the essence of it's one of those things where you go back and it's a fan base and people Toys out of prams. Toys out of prams. It's another Star Wars thing. People remember something when they were 10 years old and it's all golden glowy and you have that warm feeling in your heart because you watched it uh, like in the cinema for the first time and it was just one, a wonderful experience. And then everything made after that will never compare to it. But you're, some people feel the need to like tear people down and insult people everywhere, left, right and centre. Uh, and those people are douchebags, okay? <laughs> who do that because it just doesn't make sense it's never going to feel the same yes there can be quality stuff made and non-quality stuff made and writing can be good and writing can be bad but it's never going to feel the same as when you have those memories from when you were a kid and you really attach yourself to something so that's very much what I was feeling uh, in the sense we were going to get with He-Man and we're we're obviously talking about the show but that's kind of where it went Rotten Tomatoes, Certified Fresh, got one of the highest TV rated scores in the high 90s. Critics absolutely loved it across the board. Everyone was just heaping loads of praise um, on this show for the writing, for the way it refers back to the old show and all that. But I feel it was like targeted by this, like it was review dumped by, uh, I feel genuine people yes but then i feel there was probably tons of accounts to like dump on it just for the sake of dumping on it 
Um, but which is quite interesting when you look at its IMDb rating, it sits at a 5.0 out of 10, which obviously isn't very high, but the, the meta score is a lot higher. But that 5.0, why I point reference to that out of 10 is because that was at like 3.6 when it first or around yeah. that. And it's gradually just slowly, bit by bit, gone up, gone up, gone up, which makes me feel like real people were watching it and giving their real opinion or people who weren't Master of the Universe fans and have discovered it on Netflix because it did sit in the top 10 things on Netflix for a good week or two weeks. So that's how I feel. It's a yeah. genuine thing coming up, but it's just interesting. All these things are interesting. Yeah, I'm. I mean, on the kind of point of the reviews, I did, I, I so, you know, watching it, I, I was surprised as well by um, the kind of difference in, um, I mean, particularly on Rotten Tomatoes, looking at the audience score against critic score, it was like very kind of, you know, I mean, completely different, really. Like the, the critics seemed to love the the series and the audience were not happy with a lot of elements of it. And at first I was surprised, but as I kind of watched the series and then went back and looked at the reviews, I could understand a lot of the criticisms that there were in the way that um, the series was presented to fans through the trailers and also what Kevin Smith had said to the fans as well about, like, for example, like the involvement of, of He-Man. And he had guaranteed like fans that you know He-Man would be involved. And actually, when you watch the first five episodes, I mean, that, I mean, he, you know, in the first episode, He-Man dies, and then you know, and then in the fifth, fifth episode, he dies again or gets yeah. you know hurt again. So like for a lot of the fans, I mean, I can I can see how that was a kick in the teeth one, and then also with because um, I had also kind of gone back and done a bit of research into, you know, there was like some script leaks I think last year, and Kevin Smith had responded, and essentially from the script leaks. Uh, I can't remember which publisher it was, but they had said essentially that the show would be based around Tila. Um, yeah. And Kevin Smith responded by saying that that wasn't necessarily the case, that it was actually still based around He-Man. But actually now watching it, it I mean, the show is based around Tila. Like, but, it's yeah, but, it's, but it's also like, this is why it's, it's interesting to come in and like chat about the show now, because we haven't seen the whole show. This is the, just seen five episodes of 10 and it's yeah. really hard to be like, yes, the main narrative of the shows, we dive in, we're completely in, we're in the He-Man world, we're in Eternia, and it's all, you've got Prince Adam, you've got He-Man, you've got Skeletor, you've got Teela, you've got everything going on. Everything going on, which is ticking every single box that everyone will remember Masters of the Universe for. Absolutely, picking up from where it kind of had left off, absolutely. Exactly that, so that's where we find it. We find it with a ceremony. Uh, happening for Teela, I believe the that's who the ceremony is happening for. Prince Adam has, gets called away because Skeletor is um, trying to take over um, Greyskull, which is what he does all the time. Yeah, standard. Uh, <laughs> standard Skeletor. Um, but he gets further this time, and they have a battle, battle and He-Man is obviously taking care of that, and you think he beats him, and then he gets kind of hit back and then you're like oh is he gonna um and then of course it ends up in this they kind of i would say evaporate is one of the best words for it in essentially yeah about the magic within eternia and skeletor trying to claim all the the magic that is in that gives um castle grayskull its appearance and whole <laughs> And it's unveiled as like the Hall of Wisdom and yep. you have this kind of orb that, you know, where all the magic in Eternia kind of is stemmed from. And then, and this, I mean, one of the things I have to say I found quite funny is the fact that, uh, you know, Skeletal destroys this orb, like assuming that that was like the thing that he always had to do. But then that ends up kind of destroying the universe and like magic as well, which is what he relies on. So as, you know, from a kind of writing point of view, it's quite funny just like, kind of have Skeletor like exposed as like a, a villain who doesn't really know what he's doing he's just kind of ultimately like kind of like a weird sort of terrorist that kind of a very nihilistic terrorist in the way that he's just destroying the universe or destroying this orb which then goes on to destroy the universe or potentially but then that's where He-Man kind of steps in and absorbs this explosion which then splits his sword and then the sword is kind of cast away to like different realms and you know him and Skeletor go with this blast as well into like you know well we assume that they kind of die which they do really um 
but you know do they die you know you know question mark question mark you know and as as we see the series go on you know things aren't you know as obvious as they would seem um so it is kind of i don't know there were some points which you know as i said like it was quite funny watching skeleton kind of do this ultimate act of destruction and then but not realizing that it would also destroy him and the whole universe um and so the whole kind of story goes about essentially and I, I, I mean, I suppose just for, you know, anyone who kind of hasn't seen it, um, it, it really is to, the whole story is to, you know, as Eternia is losing this magic because of the destruction of this orb, um, they, you know, the characters like Tila and Orko and, and, you know, Evil Lynn kind of go about to save magic um, hmm. in Eternia. They have, so that, to, they have to all band together. And, and what you right. find yourself in is you find yourself in a situation where, we are now we're on a hero's journey we're on a hero's adventure one of those classic like um band together with a group of people and do a we're on a lord of the rings we're on the fellowship we're on the fellowship for the magic um (laughs) so we've got tila with that we've got evelyn we have got um andrea who is played by tiffany smith as part of that um detail justin long i love justin long as roberto uh, Roberto, Robert, Do. Rob, Rob, Rob. yeah. Uh, however, it said Man Rob. Let's just say Rob. Rob. <laughs> just as long as Rob. Uh, <laughs> and then we have um, oh, Le- Liam Cunningham. You know, as the as Duncan, the Man at Arms. You know, he was Davos in in every Game time he speaks. It's just great. Yeah, uh, because it's in the ghost him. It's like yes, well. <laughs> yeah, he what a, a good recognizable voice. Yeah, yeah. Every time that guy talks, it's just like, just let him talk more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're going to go on this adventure, and whilst they go on this adventure, they come across many different things. They come across Skeletor's buddy. Uh, I'm co- I call him Skeletor's buddy because he looks like Skeletor, but an <laughs> evil version, um, where they all have to like face their fears and. Well, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff that happens within this show. For me personally, I'm I feel a lot of people missed the boat that it was that this isn't the first season. Right. It's like five episodes now, five episodes later in the year. That's the whole story arc. And as we have seen, there's a lot being told in the first five episodes. So there's still a lot to be told. When watching it, I feel this was a level up from writing in the original animation. If we're going to compare this to 1981, and we're going to com- and that's what a lot of people would like to do, I feel the writing here of all the characters, the overall story arc, is a different, a higher level than that 1981 animation series. Because I went back and I've been watching the original series in like building up to do this podcast because I didn't want to like just quote it having not recently seen it right. and there's a massive difference uh, and another thing that I think has to be pointed out regardless of the story or uh, anything like that is the animation the animation yeah. blooming lovely yeah absolutely I mean the animation was one caps, of the- I think is the company that done that and directed that the animation looks really, really who, good. Who was the company, sorry? I think it's Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Um, I feel are the guys who have created. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, and it just looks, it looks really, really good. So Adam, uh, Adam Conero and Patrick Stannard, who are the directors, um, who I feel come from that company, that animation, who do like all the fight scenes and everything, they just fill in all the gaps and, of course, make it look absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the the animation really does stand out, actually, as, like, very impressive. And, you know, and throughout, like, all five episodes, like, that was one of the things that kind of drew me back is just how beautiful it looked. And it, it, it kind of was, it almost looks like a, a little bit, you know, cel-shaded or almost like, almost anime at point. Um, yeah, yes, very true. With the kind of way it was designed, I mean, it's just it is a very richly designed show, um, and that wasn't, yeah, kind of one of the faults um, 
no, I mean, there was nothing really to fault with the animation. Or, and I have to say, the general production, like some of the music as well, was like very epic um, and very kind of well put together. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I have to say the writing, yeah, you're right in that it, clearly they're trying to take it up a level. Um, I think the writing, I can see that they were trying to do that. But for me, there were like points which were a little bit um, odd. Like, <laughs> I've just got like the first episode on at the moment. Like... <laughs> I don't get why Teela was so angry that she was like not told about Adam. I get Adam was her best friend and, you know, and he was He-Man is the big secret. Um, I, I just found it kind of surprising that she was so angry about that and like kind of willing to risk like the fate of the universe because of that. And I don't know. I just found it all a little bit. Caught up in the moment, mate. Caught up in the moment. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it's like, she's like this kind of great warrior and, and, you know, like, and the way they kind of build her in the show is like, you know, she's like, you know, she becomes a badass in like episode two and like this sort of, I don't know, grave robber type and or like, you know, discover or tomb raider. I don't know what you, what you want to call it, but she's kind of like, you know, butched up afterwards, like even more so than before, you know, like before she's you know still kicking ass. But then in the second episode, you kind of see it with uh, her friend like Andrea or Andrea um, and she's still like really annoyed at the fact of like not being told that. And I don't know, I just found that kind of a bit weird that it's like, is that like really like, I mean, I get it. Yeah. It's annoying. That you were kind of betrayed, but like, are you not sad that first of all, you like lost your mate. And then also she like kind of yells at like his, you know, He-Man's parents for like not finding that out. And that was a little bit of a weird sort of thing in the first episode. So I, I, I whilst I kind of, I, I agree with you that they are trying to up the story level. I've found that, there were some things that they kind of fell over um, with themselves and like the way that they kind of tried to create these characters. Um, that was a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit odd, you know. Um, and for me as well, because, uh, you know, also because we've been watching Bad Batch recently and Bad Batch has, you know, fantastic action scenes, really, like through animation, you know, like, and we've been commenting on how good it looks and how well it flows. And what I found with this is that whilst the animation looked great, there were certain points with the action scenes that there was almost too much talking at <laughs> points for me that there was like too much writing that like I was expecting a lot of action and battle and you know seeing these characters kind of using their magic and their abilities and stuff and sometimes I found that like the action scenes kind of devolved into much more context than like a lot of talking and that was actually a little bit off-putting for me personally because I don't know, coming into He-Man, I'm expecting just like, you know, swords clashing and, you know, spells being cast. And instead, you, and you kind of get that, but then you get like a lot of talking, a lot of kind of, you know, uh, context around this or like harking back to like a, a previous memory or something like that. And it was a bit like, it was like very heavily on like the emotional kind of aspect. And, you know, and that for me, I personally, I found that a little bit underwhelming in a way that, it didn't keep up the pace and the energy as well as I'd have liked. And yeah, like, I don't know, like kind of, I, I kept, I mean, I, I, you know, I was watching it because obviously we were going to talk about it and, you know, there were things that, you know, I really enjoyed, but I don't know, it's just that point. It's like, by the time I got to episode five, I'm like, oh, I want more action. You know, like I want more, you know, like whether it's Tilo, He-Man, whoever the hell is kind of filling the screen, like I wanted more really kind of just more action. And, you know, I'm hoping that, these first five episodes set up more of the context and then like later on they can just kind of get more into the meat and bones of the whole master of the universe universe really you know um but yeah I, that was kind of like a criticism for me like a main one that it was like i just wanted more action you know and as i said because we're so used to bad batch and like talking about how great that looks like here you know it looks great but there was just like you know it's like come on we'll just, let's get the action going you know I feel I feel maybe one of the mistakes that I would say, um, and I I would put this on Netflix, is to release it five episodes and then a further five episodes. I right. feel yeah. this show would have benefited a lot more by all ten episodes coming at you straight away. And I feel if you were gonna only do five episodes, then it should have been episodic. I know it's not something that netflix do they like to dump all episodes at the same time but i feel it's it's un unless it was a feature film you're leaving too many questions for people to jump on and like rip apart and pick apart because we don't have the full story so and that's i feel that 
it was not a good decision by Netflix in the way to release this particular show because there was a lot of build up to the show, a lot of waiting for it, and just and because the five episodes are in the twenty odd minute window, um, which is you know standard for these animation type shows, I feel it just it hindered it by quite a lot because it's just like okay, cool, part one's literally done in a weekend or a day or an afternoon. Uh, how like a film, basically. Yeah, like yeah, it's like a, one movie, um, yeah. and then it's kind of like there is no release date for the other five. And because of the way they've written it, no one knows. Like the next yeah. five episodes could be He-Man, Skeletor Central. And <laughs> who knows? You could be watching the best fight sequences. You could be watching a 25-minute fight sequence, which everybody would have absolutely loved. But because they've released it like this, no one knows the full arc and the full story, which yeah. I understand in some somebody's made a decision in a board meeting to go this will build um you know a lot of interest and a lot of anticipation yes it will if it's if if you cut it off at the right point i know we leave on a complete cliffhanger in the sense that skeletor is the one saying i have the power yeah. and he-man is pretty much on death's door so no, adam not even he-man it's adam you no, know it's adam's on death's yeah. door so Yes, we do leave on a cliffhanger, get it. But the build-up to the cliffhanger wasn't giving you the right things to warrant the level of cliffhanger needed for people to go, oh my God, I can't wait for this next five episodes because the first five episodes were giving you that context and building characters and dialogue and story. This is why it works with The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch, you instantly know it's 16 episodes across the whole season. You're getting one episode every single week. So they can feed you these bits. And we've talked about these episodes before, which are like, you can clearly see it's a filler episode to get to where you need to get to. But you're so much more involved because you can reserve judgment way more because you know you're getting 20 odd minutes a week and you're like oh that's well even if you didn't quite like one episode you know i feel it might be building to something oh yes it is one week later like i see the result in what that was going towards this is what the strategy of releasing this program i think has not been done very well yeah I, I, it should have been all episodes straight away you should have had all 10 and we should people should have just been able to live and judge by the whole entire series um but you know once again for me overall over the course of the five episodes i enjoyed it hmm. yes i'm not a, a he-man fan who has the full collection and uh, lives by uh, the he-man sword and the power but <laughs> i did enjoy the twists at the end i did enjoy the fact that skeletor becomes the mighty skelly god hmm. that element i really liked um I'm, I don't have any problem with Keela, very much like Sarah Michelle Geller. So I'm fine with that being the story arc. What I wasn't fine with was just how we just didn't get it all at one go because I feel it hindered the whole entire season. Yeah, uh, I, and, you know, that's a really good point, actually, that, you know, splitting up the, the series at episode five uh, and the way the kind of cliffhanger it leaves it on, um, and especially, as we were saying, like, like, the the context that they use like from you know for episodes two three and four where essentially it's i thought it was quite interesting I, you know what i liked was like the fact that you have like good and evil teaming up i think that's always quite interesting because then it makes you know because I, since for me you know so much tv and film has always been good versus evil and that was like the standard thing and then as like you know writing became more complex and progressed like in the modern era and you know for me like a real show that changed this um you know which also stars evil lynn in leader lena headley um or heady or is it heady 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 uh, lena yeah, heady heady yeah. yeah so you know game of thrones is is the kind of you know show that changed it really where it started mixing a lot of um whilst you you kind of had you know good and bad sort of you know characters set out as the show develops, it becomes much more of a circumstantial thing that they're not, you know, they, they're kind of good and bad in their own circumstances. But then, you know, good characters do bad things and bad characters do good things. And then all of a sudden it becomes quite grey. And, and actually you get like a lot of depth of character. And I can see that 
you know, they were trying to do it with this, you know, and as you were saying, like they're trying to, you know, take it to another level where, you know, it's a bit more complex and the characters have a bit more depth. I think for me, like a big thing was like, it's, <laughs> there were certain like stylistic choices, which I was kind of surprised about. And actually I can see what like some fans would get like really angry with it. Um, one is like, I mean, ultimately, you know, the original show is based around, you know, a, a protagonist called He-Man. I mean, it is like the most macho superhero type guy that you can get. Yeah. And, and he's against a guy called Skeletor, who, again, is like hench and, you know, a kind of man, evil villain. And, you know, for this, they completely replaced them with female characters, which I don't think is like a negative thing per se. But I think the way they've kind of done it and presented them can be a little bit, it's a little bit like, like there's this, there's a thing with Hollywood in terms of trying to write up female characters. And sometimes I feel it's done well. And sometimes I feel it's done a little bit awkwardly. And I feel here they've kind of done it a little bit awkwardly in that, you know, you get evil Lynn kind of talking about like, you know, being in skeletal shadow and things like that, which was all a bit like, okay, like didn't realize you felt like that. And then, and then skeletal comes back and then she kind of immediately goes back to him and it's like, Oh, okay. So you weren't feeling screwed over. And then you also have Teela who kind of was always like quite a feminine character beforehand. And then, you know, by episode two, she's kind of, as I said, like kind of, you know, she's like much butcher in her kind of build. Uh, They kind of give her like a, you know, buzz cut as well, which, and she also has like a female companion. So it becomes like all about the girls, which, you know, I think for like someone who was very dedicated to the show, that is quite like a surprise, you know, and also the way they've written them, instead of keeping Teela like as a feminine sort of warrior, she becomes like much more butch and, you know, and I don't know if that was completely necessary. I don't know if you had to make it more butch and like kind of, you know, like, you know, tough girl, really. It's like, why couldn't she have just kind of remained the same and, you know, still being a badass? Like, I, I don't know. Like, that, that I felt was, like, kind of an unnecessary thing, um, you know, for her character. So I can see that, you know, it's like, I mean, they really turned it on its head for, like, um, for the fans, really, in terms of... And also, you know, whilst I have to say, I did enjoy Sarah Michelle Gellar's, like, voice and, and kind of her you know, generally, like, the way, I mean, she's she's a great actress, so, you know, I mean, last year I rewatched, you know, all of Buffy, and absolutely loved that, so, you know, I'm a big fan. But I have to say, the way they kind of wrote Teela at points, like, at points, I was even rolling my eyes at just how much she was, like, complaining, and, like, whining about things, and, like, and whining about the fact that she was, like, not told that Adam was He-Man, and it's like, oh, God, like, you're this tough warrior princess, like, I, I, like get over it really you know at points I was kind of saying that you know it's like I, I don't really know why they had to like write her as like I don't know just like someone who was like really I don't know upset the whole time and it was like her kind of companion at Andrea who was much more of like the positive like come on let's let's go and do this or you know like we can do it and I don't, and Andrea was this sort of random character which we'd never seen before as well and I you know, possibly a girlfriend to Tila I don't know people were talking about this online don't really care, you know, whether they are girlfriend or not. But I just found Tila a little bit like, oh, come on, Tila, like, get on with it. Like, I, I get it. Like, you know, He-Man lied to you, fine. But, like, it, it's weird because, you know, clearly they're trying to portray her as this, like, strong female character. But then she was so whiny about that that it's like, like, why are you so, I don't know, like, why are you willing to sacrifice the kind of universe, essentially, because you were lied to, you know, at this one point? That was something I didn't really get. And again, like, you, you have, like, a character like Duncan, you know, a, a key male figure in the universe, important, man at arms, etc. And he gets completely written out of this, you know, these first five episodes. Actually, to the point where, again, he's, like, instead of wanting to save the universe, you know, in episode uh, two or three when he comes back, you know, he's kind of there, like, oh, I can't, you know, I betrayed the royal family and I can't do it. And it's like, but why? Like, it's the fate of the universe is at hand. Like, why are you kind of saying that you can't do it like it was it was almost a bit ridiculous I found that and so yeah I, I don't know I just thought it was kind of interesting that they, they were clearly very much emphasizing the female characters of the male ones okay if you're gonna do that but like I you don't have to completely like unwrite the male characters to the point where you know it's like it does feel like quite a different show and a different set of characters you know and as, as I said like 
you know, like most of the kind of people I, I'd imagine who grew up watching this are going to be like guys, you know, um, you know, who want like kind of swashbuckling action and like, you know, sorcery and stuff. And instead you're getting like a very different show. You're getting, you know, female characters who are complaining, you know, um, who are sort of turning it on its head. And I don't know if that was like the best stylistic choice that they could have led with. I felt that like maybe if they hadn't have killed off He-Man or if He-Man had only been as Adam, you know, and you know, Adam was like the protagonist instead of He-Man, that could have turned it on its head without getting rid of all the characters, you know, maybe kept Duncan in as well as like someone who was still loyal and like kind of went against his promise and, you know, but instead they, the way they kind of wrote them out was a bit weird. And even Orko, for example, who, again, another male character, by episode four, he kind of gets taken out as well, you know, and so it, like, yeah, I could see like what they're trying to do, but I felt that it was a bit like clumsy in the way that it was executed. And and I can see why people were like kind of annoyed with this thing. But, you know, um, as you said, you know, like this is just the first five episodes of like a 10 episode season. And this is just the first season. So, you know, for these episodes to be like that, maybe, you know, that's how they kind of set it out. And later on it will. Be, and as we, you know, as you said, by the time you get to episode five, um, Skeletor is the master of the universe. Um, and but for me, it was just kind of ridiculous that you had Adam coming back and then getting stabbed in the back again, you know? And it was like, as he was turning into He-Man, it was almost like, oh God, like so underwhelming. It was like kind of really deflating in a way because you're like, oh, he's back. You know, he's back from the dead. That's, you know, kind of cool. And then it's like, oh, but now he's... So maybe, you know, maybe we'll have Adam as the main protagonist kind of going forward and that will be a, a kind of shift for the show. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was it was a bold move for them to take. And I think at points, you know, maybe it worked. But a lot of the time it was like, yeah, like there's some work to be done. And perhaps they could have written it a bit tighter as well, in a way, you know. I, I don't know. Like, that's kind of my impression. What, like, do you agree? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, funnily enough, one of the points you made there is a, a point which I didn't even think about it. And now, like, it's like really apparent to me. And it's the a real uh a course that goes through the writing and through these particular episode is just the reluctancy to take any responsibility or be a hero yeah. the, the point you made and it's like so clear to me now that i didn't even properly twig when i was watching it but the reluctancy of teela just because of that lie when a lot of time has passed to even i mean it's like they're asking her to like help they're pretty much just saying if you don't do this everything will cease to exist and when they first made that point she's still like nah i'm annoyed at him and you know it's cringer to go and like talk her over and i feel and you know what yeah i mean that is kind of silly like Like, especially if she's going to be the hero noble life she had had to get to the point where she was you would want to do everything you could to help because you're not just helping He-Man here; you're helping everybody. Yeah, absolutely. The whole entire point, and and going back at it, Man at Arms's excuse, like not to get involved, was just a bit weak. Oh, I've disgraced uh, these people. Yeah, a long time ago, and it's not exactly like they've come back and go. Do you know what? We we're a bit harsh. Um, you know, <laughs> you're just like living in a mud hut now. Uh, so <laughs> I, I feel you've literally got nothing to lose. And also, he's he's you know, getting that magic water for Orko who's dying and the whole point of, you know, he's saving Orko, but then when it comes to, like, the point of saving the universe and saving magic within Eternia, he's like, mm, probably not. And it's like, but, like, that will save Orko, you know, that will help him. Anyway, but on such a small scale. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, just just bump up the scale and then he'll be doing it for everyone and Orko will be fine. Um yeah. So, yeah, I can see this, you know, that's a lot clear to me now, that reluctancy. that I feel that reluctancy didn't fare well for the story for a lot of people coming back and watching this show. And, yes, getting rid of Orko, because you kind of bring Orko, you develop that character into being more of a badass character. Yeah. Orko's never been before. And then you take Orko away completely um, and you kind of take He-Man away to a certain extent within this first five episodes. We're five of ten. He-Man could be very present in the next five episodes. 
so you can uh, i can completely understand it's a lot of things to swallow i do think there was also some bots involved reviewing it in in a negative way i don't think when you look at i don't think you can look at a show like this and if it's missed a couple of tricks the amount of one out of tens it's never a one out of t- like one out of ten is like the high. that means yeah. everything across the board has to be utterly terrible yeah. and for me personally i could never give this show on the five episodes anything lower than five no, because I mean, yeah, you, have I, I, give, you have to give kudos to the animation it's part of the show it is the show that's absolutely stellar you have to give credit like we've said to the music to the um uh whatever it's called the god i'm lo- losing all words in my mind today. soundtrack score soundtrack <laughs> absolutely brilliant adds a lot to this show and it's extremely well bear mcgreedy i think is the guy who does it it's yeah bear mccree mccreary bear mccreary sorry bear got it took me a while to get your name there bear uh, with us even though I already know who you are. Um, but yes, you have to like, that is such a huge chunk of the show that you automatically, I feel, have to start, start at five out of ten. And then you can leave the other five for story and writing, pretty much. Uh, and if you liked it or something. So I agree. I, I mean, like, I have to say, like, I was, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they should have been as harsh as like one out of ten. I mean, that, that, it's a bit ridiculous, especially as we said, like the animation is absolutely gorgeous throughout. Um, I think people were just like surprised and disappointed. Um, and I have to say, like, I went back and watched the trailers and the trailers really do imply that it is like kind of He-Man versus Skeletor. And I mean, that's what you're getting. I mean, we get this so many times. The trailers imply yeah. the trailers need to imply for people to watch it. Um, you can watch films these days and if it's a big film that I know I'm very interested in from the get-go, I only ever watch one trailer. I watch a teaser trailer and nothing more because you can go into these films now and you get like a teaser trailer, three, four main trailers, TV spots, and by the time that, every single action, comedy, sequence that you're going to love has been revealed. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. It's, it's just sometimes it's way too much. I do love yeah. trailer absolutely i mean i hadn't seen any of the trailers before this and you know and i wanted to kind of go in and just watch it and um there was another thing that i found with these first five episodes which perhaps like um in terms of consistent so like obviously you know they're kind of journeying to find the swords uh the two the two parts of of he-man's sword to bring them together and you know and bring he-man back and whatnot what I found as well is that like each like episode had like a different villain, which was a little bit. So you know they they turned the whole kind of you know evil Lin going you know pairing up with the good guys and that's cool. But then every episode there was like a different focus point for like kind of the villain. You know the first one was Skeletor, he gets defeated. Then the next one is kind of like I think Roboto, and then there's the uh, no the next one um is uh the Cyclops guy. Oh, Triclops. Triclops, yeah. Yeah, voiced by Henry Rollins, by the way, which is, like, by, wild. By, by the way, <laughs> a particular scene when they go and ambush Triclops and obviously they're converting people. Um, that girl, the little girl, the exorcist moment. See that? Oh, She's yeah. like this little innocent girl and suddenly her head spin around. Yes! Oh, my God, that was so freaky. Oh, my yeah. Jesus. All right, yeah. calm down, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I really enjoyed it as well, how they were, like, kind of making it into, like, I quite like the whole kind of making it to machine over magic thing, because that I found was like, it's almost like a kind of, you know, a metaphor for the world we live in now that we're like all machine based rather than that sort of natural magic. So I kind of, I like that as well, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I found that, yeah, that like, you know, go from Triclops and then, you know, the next episode you have the underwater guy. Oh, you have, uh, well, I mean, you have Merman voiced yeah. by Kevin Conroy, Mr. Yeah. Batman himself. Uh, and then we have Scareglow, um, yeah. which is the Skeletor-ish. Yeah, the uh, land of the dead kind of ruler. And then we're yeah. Back circle. Yeah, exactly. And and whilst you can see why they're trying to do that, and obviously you know they're going to different worlds and everything. Sometimes I find that that can be a bit um, overwhelming, you know. And actually, at points I was kind of finding like they're fighting all these villains who then aren't kind of really dying, except for I don't know Scareglow. I don't know if he kind of 
where like Orca kind of like holds him and then like takes him out with him as well. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes like introducing that many kind of villains into like, you know, five episodes, it can be a bit overwhelming. And it, it felt like it jumped around the Paramount. And they are jumping around because obviously they're, you know, going to retrieve these two parts of the sword. But it's almost like a little bit like, yeah, you don't really know, like, I don't know. I, I suppose, are these villains that villainous if they're, like, only around for one episode and then kind of, like, coming in and out? It felt a little bit stop-starty with that. That It was almost like, did you have to have that many villains that soon, really? Or is that part of the, the kind of overall context for the rest of the series, you know? Like, yeah. will they kind of feature in and, like, team up with Skeletor or even team up with, you know, against Skeletor because Skeletor is now this sort of, you know, grandmaster of the universe. Maybe they don't like that. I don't know, you know? So it felt like a lot, kind of, a lot of stimulus and a lot of context. As I said, there was so much talking, like, between the characters anyway, aside from that, and the fate of Eternia and this and that, that you know, and Evil Lynn and kind of Teela, like, you know, mouthing off against each other and stuff. And it was like, oh, my God, so much stimulus. Like, what do I focus on? Like, where is this going? You know, it was a bit, a bit confusing. But again, you know, like, it's the first five episodes, you know. As you said, if they dropped the whole series, maybe it would have been a clearer kind of context for this, you know? Yeah, yeah, it would it would do. So kind of, um, uh, if you had to give it an IMDb rating, where would you put it right now? And you can do points, because I, I would put it, at, for me personally, it's sitting at, um, I would say, a 6.9. 6.9, oh, fairly high. I was going to say probably around a 5 for me. Um between four and five, I would say like maybe four point nine. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but like I have, I, I did find, I'll, I'll say a five because the production of it, the music, the voices were like, the, I have to say the, the cast that they have is absolutely stellar. Like that for me was one of the things that when I read about this, I was like very excited to see. I mean, you got everyone from like Mark Hamill to Lena Headey to Sarah Michelle Gellar to, Henry Bloody Rollins, Justin Lo- I mean, it is an yeah, all-star cast. Cunningham, like, yeah, the list goes like, on. I mean, sensational to really, for them to, like, be able to gather all these people together to do this. Like, that's, and that for me, like, I have to say, like, I hope they continue it because they've got such a, a talented group of individuals together for this, and the animation is gorgeous. And all they have to do is fix the writing. And, you know, and we've said this so many times on this podcast that writing is essential for most things, you know. And I don't think the writing is unsavable here. I just think that they need to simplify it a little bit um, and really, like, think about the characters and how they're kind of portraying them. You know, mainly, like, Teela, you know, uh, you know, if Teela is going to become the protagonist, then, you know, like, I don't know, just try to make her more of a hero than someone who's, like, a reluctant hero, as you said. Like, you know, like, she doesn't, she doesn't have to kind of be like that really over like one thing where and you know as you said it was like it's almost like her whole concern was with he-man rather than the universe at large i mean you know she was fighting alongside he-man to save the universe but then she's there kind of willing to like throw it all away because she was lied to and it's like that's not really that heroic i mean come on like you know it felt a little bit petty really well very petty to be honest and then again you know with duncan as well like so so much honor that he's like He's really, again, like, nihilistic honor. Like, fine, let's just destroy the universe because, you know, I screwed over the royal family. And it's like, oh, mate, like, come on. Like, get over <laughs> yourself, you know. Uh, and, you know, get on board. And then, But then you have, like, characters like... I liked Orko, you know, as a character. I thought he was yeah. really, like... And I liked how he developed as, as well with Evil Lynn. And, you know, she's a magic character. He's a magic character. She helped him unlock his, like, potential in episode four. And I thought that was that was cool and, you know kind of that hero's journey that he was becoming. The, and then, but then, you know, for him to then kind of disappear, it was like, oh, you know, like we were just getting to the like precipice of like epic magic, you know? And so I, I, I'm sure he'll come back, you know, because clearly the show likes a good comeback. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, so I think the right, I mean, but as we've said, like these are just five episodes, you know, the writing can definitely be fixed in like a way where like, you know, they bring it like all together. And I hope they do because, Kevin Smith is a talented writer. He knows good writing, you know. Um, so I think they can fix it. I hope they do because, you know, they've got great anime. They've got, there's so many good things about this show, but they just need to tie it together better. And I think, you know, maybe, you know, I feel that, you know, 
I feel like what they were trying to do is really, and this is maybe why Kevin Smith kind of did himself a disservice by saying it was all going to be like, oh, you know, don't worry, we'll get plenty of He-Man action. You know, because clearly what they were trying to do when they were making the show is like for these first five episodes to really turn it on its head, you know. And I think him kind of promising like lots of He-Man action was just did him such a great disservice because all the fans were expecting it from the trailer, from what he said. But then he turned it on his head. Episodes of just He-Man fighting Skeletor in the next one. (laughs) Exactly. It's just going to be like pure He-Man Skeletor. Like we won't even see Tila, you know. Again, I I don't want them to like write out Tila. You know, I want want her to kind of like come to terms with Adam and He-Man and you know, which they kind of do in episode five. And I just want it to, I don't know, come to, like, you can have, like, the kind of girl power of Teela and He-Man fighting alongside each other and, you know, these kind of other characters and also Evil Lynn. You know, I hope we see more of her kind of, her doubts with Skeletor because she's, like, clearly quite a, you know, a smart and cunning character who gets to know uh, Teela and Orko and kind of befriends them as well, you know, to a certain degree. So... I hope that kind of you know plays into that grayness of like actually it's not all you know um not all kind of straight so you know we'll have to see really i mean you know we'll have to see this is it so we're at the halfway point Arsif's given it a 5.0 i've given it a 6.9 did i say 6.9 you said 6.9 69 all right so that is where we are both personally sitting at the five episode mark of masters of the universe let's see where we're sitting at the 10 episode mark of masters of the universe Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you. Um, um.